Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Time now for the Yahoo Sports College Podcast with Dan Wetzel. Yeah, I don't know why this thing's any good. It's sort of like when the North Korean military marches around. Like you look and go, wow, that looks pretty. <laughs> Pete Thamel. Again, from the macro, if you had told me when Harbaugh got there that that would be the vexing thing that is among the main things holding the program back, it would have been stunning. And SI's. Pat Forty. I may be prisoner of the moment here and just not thinking, but has anybody had a bigger impact since Tim Tebow than Tim Tebow in college football? Here's Pat, Pete, and Dan. Uh, welcome to the pod. Uh, let's start with this. Joe Milton once hailed, perhaps even on this podcast, I can't remember, as the next savior of Michigan football, the latest savior of Michigan football, is transferring. Former four-star QB from Florida. Uh, is entered the transfer portal. Uh, I don't think this is going to have a major impact on the 2021 season. Milton was probably going to be third string headed into the uh, into the year behind uh, Cade McNamara and uh, incoming recruit at, uh, at Michigan. But uh, it does signify this. Every quarterback, best I can, re- my research is, every quarterback Jim Harbaugh has recruited to the University of Michigan other than Cade McNamara, yet, (laughs) has now transferred from the program. Harbaugh took over in 2015, and every quarterback he's recruited has transferred other than Cade McNamara. There's now one, and and he has uh, basically ridden the transfer market. Again, one of the great mysteries of life is how Jim Harbaugh is not landing all these quarterback recruits that he would want. These guys aren't leaving because there's like a log jam of talent. They're leaving because anybody can be the starter and nobody gets them. So maybe McNamara is the solution. Maybe J.J. McCarthy, the heralded player from IMG that's coming in, is the solution. But uh, so far, Harbaugh has gone over on the on the uh, recruiting market for quarterbacks. Pat, how is this possible? I don't know. And I mean, I am. I find it. Shocking, really. Um, I guess in the last couple of years, it's less shocking because you've seen it kind of manifest itself. And and I think quarterbacks out there are sitting there saying, why would I play for him? But before that, you would think they were saying, why wouldn't I play for him? And he would get good ones and make them better the way he did with Andrew Luck, the way he did in the NFL with Colin Kaepernick. Uh, I mean, it's really, really, that's the biggest single thing that I think we can put our finger on. There's been a lot of things go wrong with Michigan football under Harbaugh. You know, lack of identity offensively. But the biggest thing 
the most tangible, specific thing is the quarterbacks have been no good. Uh, they haven't gotten good ones, and when they've got whoever they've gotten hasn't gotten any better. If some, if in fact, if anything, they've often gotten worse. And so, lack of play at the most important position has been striking. And yes, what this podcast is guilty. I do remember. Joe Milton, after his debut as the starter against Minnesota, and the Michigan people were pumping him up, and he was good in that game. Uh, threw for 225, ran for 52. Well, turned out Minnesota's defense was god-awful, and we were all a little bit oversold on that. And after that, it was just declining returns. Uh, by game, They lost game two in a terrible game against Michigan State. They were blown out by Indiana game in which Milton threw two interceptions, and after that, it was basically over. His last three games as a Michigan Wolverine, zero touchdowns, two interceptions, throwing the ball. Not good. And hopefully he goes on to uh, greater success elsewhere. Nothing personal against him, but it was just another quarterback who didn't pan out at Michigan under Jim Harbaugh. Yeah, and I, I just I guess I'm not surprised anymore, right? Like we, we There's enough empirical uh, evidence other than – Jake Ruddock, who transferred from Iowa and, and was a was a really good quarterback in, uh, in in Harbaugh's first season there, like there's really you know from that point on there's been there's been diminishing returns in his uh, in his six years and I think the lack of quarterback success and the lack of identity Pat spoke of kind of are tied together right like Joe Milton isn't anything like Dylan McCaffrey like they're different quarterbacks so it just when, when you don't have an identity and you're not recruiting to a specific offense I mean to me we, and we've we were chatting about this off the air you know Joe Milton should go to UCF and barrel downhill on the zone read and use his tremendous physical gifts and play within an offense that that suits him um, he did not have great touch he couldn't get the ball out quick to in in those short little in those short little tempo routes and what what Gaddis wanted to uh, what Gaddis wanted to run. So go in an offense that's going to highlight what you can do as a quarterback first. The the Michigan quarterback failure again from the macro of you had told me when Harbaugh got there that that would be the vexing thing that is among the main things holding the program back it would have been stunning. But as we have watched sort of failure after failure and transfer after transfer at that position, again, this isn't the fault of the players, right? There's been poor identification in the coaching staff. You know, I I really, there's a lot of coaches who really like the McCarthy kid who's coming in there now. He's a little bit of a physical late bloomer, which is why some of the bluer bloods didn't pull the trigger on him initially. And he really could be the answer. But at this point, when I hear he could be the answer at Michigan, I roll my eyes. Because there's been about five answers, and they, you know, at a certain point, you get asked what the question is, and that's what Michigan hasn't told us. I think what 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 puzzles me is that it's not like they're missing on all the players, and they're just grabbing quarterbacks late. It, like Joe Milton was a top, it's ranked two hundredth in the country by rivals, so rivals top two fifty. He's from Orlando. A lot of schools wanted this guy. Like they're. The guys they're going out and winning recruiting battles with are good players. A lot of people wanted them, and then it just doesn't pan out. That's what's kind of surprising. Like, it's not like, well, great quarterbacks don't want to go to Michigan or great court. They're literally picking the wrong guy. So, I, you know, it, it, he still has a, a, a pick of a – maybe he's not getting the, the top guy, but he's getting a – he's not getting Trevor Lawrence, but he's got a, a 
they have a choice of five good quarterbacks and they keep picking the wrong guy. <laughs> it just doesn't. That's the identification process that to me is stunning. And then obviously there's no development of them because Joe Milton wouldn't do it. So I, it's, it is the problem with Michigan football. Uh, they have a lot of other good players and until they get it solved and maybe this is it, but that's a pretty amazing run. If you'd said a 2015, we'd be sitting here in February, 2021, and saying, yeah, none, no guy he recruits is going to play for him, basically. Uh, it's an astounding uh, thing. As you mentioned, Joe Milton, he played in, in Orlando. My goodness, if he doesn't go to UCF. Uh, yeah, except here's the question. I mean, UCF has got a quarterback who's better than Joe Milton right now and Dylan Gabriel. And you got to figure Joe Milton figures I'm going to be immediately eligible somewhere. Uh, if I were him, I might be looking more at South Florida or somewhere else uh, that has a more immediate need than... It's UCF. Now, if you want to sit a year behind Dylan Gabriel, fine, uh, and be the starter. I guess he'd have two seasons left or something. But um, I I do not see – from what I've seen of him, he is not as good a quarterback as Dylan Gabriel. Now, does he fit what Gus Malzahn really ideally is best at, maybe more than Dylan Gabriel? Yes, but uh, if, if I'm Gus, I'm, I'm engineering things around Gabriel because I think he is a very high-level college quarterback, potentially a high-level NFL quarterback. Well, it's a, it's a pretty nice bridge, right? If if you're Gus, and again, where I don't I don't Joe Milton has not committed to UCF yet. This is just uh, right. our yeah, podcast. We're spitballing here, just playing transfer portal we god, right? Like, uh, but that's a, that's a pretty strong bridge. Um, and and maybe Dylan Gabriel allows Gus to adapt and evolve a little bit, like he took in his long eight week reflection. Um, and because he has some gifts that that are that are clear and maybe different than some of the quarterbacks Gus had a lot of success with at Auburn, and then you, you bring Joe Milton into the fold and you uh you, you get you get running that 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 zone read and that you know the thing that was derived as that quote-unquote high school offense you know the one that really worked for Gus for all those uh for all those years so maybe you expand you adapt you evolve and then you help bring Joe Milton along and uh and, and develop him so that could certainly be exciting but I do think the Milton speculation is geographic but it's also indicative of how pretty much every quarterback from the state of Florida who goes somewhere else is going to want to come to UCF on the bounce. Uh, I'd mentioned that in the last pod, and I think that's very, I think that's very real. And that's just not quarterbacks, too. Like that's going to be a lot of a lot of dudes are going to want to go there on their second chances. The one t- UCF is going to be a giant beneficiary of the one-time transfer uh, exemption. Anyway, interesting. Again, I think Michigan had already moved on from Joe Milton, so this isn't like some right. stunning. Oh my God, the program's no. in disarray. They they pretty much made it clear he wasn't going to have much of a chance. He had his chance. It didn't work. It just still remains. Um, uh, going to be a, uh, as always an interesting season in Ann Arbor, and they probably probably better off with that without that situation. All right, uh, other news item that happened this week since our last pod: young fella, young athlete uh, has retired. You guys heard of uh, one Tim Tebow? Tim Tebow has retired. Played a little college ball back in the day. <laughs> Rings a bell. Rings a bell. Rings a bell. Tim Tebow is left giving right? up. Yeah, lefty. Given up on being a baseball player. Uh, he had at 33, he had somehow secured an invite to back to Mets camp, which I thought since they can't sell tickets to spring training right now, maybe they can. I was like, what? Uh, if you haven't made the majors by 33, time to give it up. You're not going to make it. You haven't gotten above double A ball. You're basically just Michael Jordan screwing around. Uh, Tebow has retired from the baseball deal. Uh, obviously, he had a, a brief NFL career 
uh, had one extremely memorable playoff victory for the Denver Broncos that I think Pat uh, still is celebrating. With you, buddy. I celebrated with you in a bar in New Orleans. I hugged you and spilled beer on you, I believe. That is true. That is That did happen. I guess <laughs> I forgot that there was a football game involved. You're always <laughs> hugging me. Oh, yeah. yeah. I believe it was a violation of, uh, of uh, harassment laws, honestly. <laughs> I did enter your personal space. I, I do think <laughs> I caught you off guard entering your personal space, uh, too. Yes. Uninvited uh, <laughs> hugging and alcohol spilling. Was that your, were you at your dive bar, Dan, that you love in New Orleans, the one on that side street where I've darkened the door of with you many times? Evelyn's Place. Uh, yeah, it's not Evelyn's Place anymore. Miss Evelyn passed away, unfortunately. No. Great woman. Great Sorry woman. Though. Yeah. Um, but she was she was awesome. Miss Evelyn passed away and they changed it to something else. So I think I, next door, I think I I think I go to Sneaky Pete's now. I don't know. It's right next door. But uh, yeah, it probably was. It was a, certainly a chance. Who knows? Some dark it wasn't place. a nice bar. Let's put it that way. It wasn't an upscale place. <laughs> no I, I, that's a that's a that's a safe bet for Dan in uh, New Orleans. Like, yeah, it was it was not cheap beer. Yeah, not tablecloths and uh, no, none of that. And I don't know what you guys were expecting. If you're gonna hang out with me, yeah, right. Um, we, we know. Is it a trendy place? No, no. Yes. yes. Do if I the happen to know the sti- sticky floors and? Uh... <laughs> Do I happen to personally know the 82 year old woman that runs it? Yes, that's my. That's where we, Miss Evelyn's where we did the Yahoo Sports radio show interview. That's meeting. right. We, 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 clo- we closed the deal there. Yeah. The, the bosses, including David Gao, who is a very nice guy and a very proper, oh, it's like well-dressed. Uh, yeah. I think like, David Gao walked in like, oh, this he's is like, we need to have a meeting. Let's do this. And I, <laughs> I don't know why. It's really not how you're supposed to do this. How you're supposed to do business. Someone wants to offer you a job. Don't say meet me at Miss Evelyn's. <laughs> But I did. <laughs> yes, you did. And he came. We were already pre-gaming the meeting. That probably wasn't helpful. I mean, yeah. it was a sports radio job. It's not like you have to be. This isn't like, you know, trying to become like head surgeon at Cedar sinai or something. <laughs> I mean, what? <laughs> job sports radio? Yeah. yeah. You don't we, hedge funds. You hedge bets. So, yeah. yeah. Appreciate Mr. Gao uh, not being just turning around. He, he he was like, he had this look on his face like it's like someone visiting the zoo. Like they're like intrigued. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, this is how people like this live. And uh, <laughs> Pat and I were at a table drinking and he came and offered us a radio show. Yeah, there that was actually the precursor to the podcast, the which pod. was the precursor to this podcast. Yeah, so... so. Thank you. Thank, Thank you, you, David anyway. Gow, for not being completely mortified by going to Evelyn's. Where the hell was I? D- Tim Tebow retired from baseball. Uh, so because it's the offseason, we're going to tell some Tim Tebow stories because what the hell? He was a an unbelievable college football player and just presence. He was just yeah. a star quality for college football that was great. Obviously won a national title at, uh, at UF. You know, the the Bible verse numbers under the eye black, the the incredible sincerity with every word that he speaks. Uh, I, I know so many people would be like, oh, I can't, uh, Tebow, I can't stand him. I'm like, you never met him. I don't yeah. care if you are the biggest, you could be the biggest atheist Florida State fan on earth and you meet Tim Tebow and you're like, I like that guy. Like yeah. that, that, if you hate Tim Tebow, you got some issues. Like he's just so damn earnest and nice and he believes what he believes and whatever. And then there are other people obviously absolutely worship Tim Tebow. I remember there was a thing called the Tim T blog. 
Somebody like literally made a blog back when blogging was the big thing. Just about Tim Tebow, the Tim Peep team blog. Um, uh, for NFL, he, he was just not a good enough quarterback, and he had this odd, and not odd, it's just him. He's earnest. He refused to play any other position than quarterback. Like literally would not do it. He made it to the Patriots. I remember visiting him in camp during that that Patriots thing, and I remember people, uh, you know, people I know in the Patriots, they're trying. Bill's trying to convince him to, like, Belichick's got 500 plays to run for Tim Tebow if he could just get him to stop wanting to be quarterback. Tebow wouldn't do it, and then <laughs> Belichick. I was actually at this the third preseason game for the Patriots when you basically, if you're playing, you're on the team. If you're not. You're, you got no shot, and he bet Tebow never got off the bench. Belichick had had enough at that point. Um, he tried out for the Jets, the Eagles. Nobody could. If Belichick doesn't have a role for you, there is no role, right? And if and if and if he's not, if you're not willing to listen to, especially at that point, like hey, you could be Tom Brady's backup and do like be the Swiss Army knife, and you're like no, like he just. Crazy. And then he said, yeah, I think I'll give baseball a shot. I got, you know, whatever. So Tim Tebow thoughts, Pat. Yeah. Um, hey, he, he did. He gave, he gave us one great post pattern in overtime against the Steelers uh, to Demarius Thomas. Thank you for that. This other is a college that, football podcast, not like a Bronco fan. You know, that's, that's your other We're getting podcast. to that. We're getting to that. We're backpedaling. <laughs> we're backpedaling. Um, but other than that, oh, he was he was painful in the NFL. I mean, that, when Mike McCoy was the offensive coordinator and they created the most Cro-Magnon offense imaginable to try to make it work with him. And they won games. They actually were like six and one with him starting. But it was like throw the ball six times, run the option like, 15 times and hand off 35 times. It, it was just like incomprehensible as an NFL offense. But, uh, and, you know, in college, I will say this. I, I may be prisoner of the moment here and just not thinking, but has anybody had a bigger impact since Tim Tebow than Tim Tebow in college football in terms of people that re reacted to him either very positively or outsized negatively? Cam I mean, Newton. Cam, yeah, Cam. Cam that was Cam's, a one-year thing, Dan. That was yeah, a one-year yeah. thing. Like Tebow was three years, four years. He was Cam four years. for three. Yeah, right. Really four, because he was a like this really precocious backup on that first title team. It would come in in third down packages for Chris Lee and get first downs and stuff. So he, you could feel the legend budding then. But yeah, for three full years, he was the center of the sport. Yeah, I mean, and and that's the thing. And it was, as Dan said, this was a guy who had an incredible and utmost sincerity about him. And for the people that, like, oh, he's so over the top about the religion, I'll, here's what I always said is, you know what? He actually does good things for people. Like, he goes, he unbelievable charitable, uh, giving of his time, you know, involved in whatever you asked him to do. And if you're going to not like that guy, I think you got to check yourself, you know, because there, there's nothing to not like about Tim Tebow. You can get a little bit tired of him, but to not like him. And I remember when Alabama just beat the heck out of him in the SEC championship game his senior year, when it became clear that Nick Saban was going here, like to the top. I remember going out after the game, after writing my column, and like the Alabama fans were just mocking Tebow so mercilessly. It's like, wow. I mean, the, the, the level, again, of, of – 
reaction to him was just, it was incredible. And I'm glad he, I'm glad I got to cover him. Glad he played college football and good for him for trying the baseball, you know, fine. He wasn't good, but he kept, he stuck at it. And you know, you're going to go play 77 games in Binghamton and 81 games in Syracuse as I think he did. That's not, that's actually an investment for somebody who has, could do plenty of other things. So my hat's off to him as an athlete. Real quickly, uh, before I go to Pete, uh, he he teared up in that game on the sideline. Yes, he did. Alabama. Oh, yes, he, the he, Alabama fans love He was love so that. intense about winning, and then yeah. the mockery of that, yes. that always bothered me. Yeah. It's like, what more do you want out of this guy? Right. Like, you, you beat him. That's great. But, like, he cares so much about winning football games that he literally is crying on the sideline. It's not a sign of weakness. No. Like, I hated that. People like Tebow teared up, Tebow, Tebow. Yeah, people, there was a lot of, and I get it. He did get a lot of attention, but. Yeah, you'll you'll appreciate this, Dan, because it's a literal collision of your worlds. I believe, and this is my memory in the game was like 12 years ago. The first play of that SEC championship game was that little shovel they used to run to Hernandez. The tight end would cut through and they'd run it up the middle and they'd gash people with it. And that thing just got stuffed. Like it got smothered on the first play. And it was pretty much when you look back, like the game was over there. Like like Florida couldn't move the ball an inch. Saban had kind of figured out that spread stuff. And, and, you know, and that was like that was Dan Mullen's calling card. He used to do it with like Paris Warren and Alex Smith at uh, at Utah. And then they brought the tight end in because Hernandez was just a dynamic athlete. So anyway, that's what I always remember about that specific uh, Alabama game um, in, in the SEC championship. As for Tim, like he was a delight to cover. Uh, so what bothered people most about Tim Tebow was how big he became, which Tim Tebow had no control over. Right. Tim Tebow did not want ESPN to talk about him every 30 seconds. Tim Tebow was not jumping in front of cameras. He was just a completely decent, kind, thoughtful guy who navigated like this. You know, it was just at the onset of social media when when Tim Tebow uh, started there, too. So like all the challenges and again, poor Tim Tebow, right? He's the star quarterback. But all, all of the sort of day-to-day campus challenges that can come with being a star were forever magnified, you know, once everybody got a camera on their phone. And it was about that time when that happened to uh, that happened to Tim. Um, as we were talking here, I, I pulled up a story I did uh, prior to the uh, prior to the 07 uh, season. And this is a quote from Tebow's, uh, Tebow's brother, uh, Peter, who was kind of like his caretaker at Florida, meaning like in his last years there when it was hard for Tim to go in public, Peter would go get his dry cleaning and that kind of stuff. And he said, he's a legend on campus. He's more of a legend than a person, actually. And I thought that like really summed up what Tim Tebow was because he was like larger than life at a time. I, like, I feel like that mid 2000, late 2000, you start with like the Bush liner teams at SC, you go to those Florida teams, you bring in Alabama. That's when college football really turned into a 365 day year sport. It, it, that's when college football turned into a national sport. That's when, you know, the, the TV contracts went from millions to billions and, and, and everything blew up. And all of a sudden, like, you just didn't have the Gainesville Sun covering Florida every day. You had an ESPN reporter. Like, it just, there was an amplification during that decade that was pronounced. And Tebow was obviously the uh, the, the the face of it at that, uh, at that time. But yes, you would not find anyone who, you know, who was around Tim Tebow who would be like, oh, he was actually a jerk or, oh, no, he was he was completely genuine 
And uh, yeah, he was he was a joy to spend time with and cover. He's one of my favorite athletes I've ever covered. I mean, he just was he was interesting. He was compelling. People love to read about him. He was thoughtful. There were there were different layers to him that that were just beyond. I mean, I remember calling, uh, you know, calling to the prisons he went to visit, uh, you know, chatting with his parents about his faith, uh, you know, the, the, the brothers and then the industry that sort of percolated up around him. Imagine how much money Tim Tebow would have made. With Ooh, name image, name likeness. image likeness the most. <laughs> oh, Wow. I don't. I don't think there's a college athlete. Maybe Zion and Tebow in the last yeah. twenty years would be the two that would made the most money of name, image, and like Zion make it all on the shoe deal. Uh, Tebow yeah. would get that. But I think about like how much he could charge a mega church to go. Uh, pre, you know, mm. speaking. He is yeah. such a good I didn't speaker. Even think about that. Yeah. Great speaker. I mean, he goes up to one of those mega churches in Jacksonville. Is fifteen thousand. Yeah. Does two sermons. I mean, yeah. he, he's got a book. He could have yeah. written a book about his faith. While as a sophomore, uh, you know, so many different things. Uh, he used to go after practice almost every single day to the children's hospital or the hospital in 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 um, Gainesville to visit kids. And and he, I remember him saying to me because uh, we talked about it because I interviewed him about Hernandez uh, once, and he he talked about how was, the weird thing about Aaron was of all the guys on the team, he thinks Aaron Hernandez came with him the most. Really? Like he would go to do the hospital visits hmm. while he was, you know, like sucker punching bar owners <laughs> and, uh, you know, maybe being involved in shootings in Gainesville. So it was a little dichotomy of Aaron, but he almost every day he would go after practice. You think about all the demands on this guy and you think, well, hey, you want to be the 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 college athlete, right? The the the, the attention of, you know, female students, the, the, the adulation, just the hanging out. I mean, he no doubt got all of that. Um you know, whether he's saving it, really saving himself for marriage or whatever, but whatever, just even just being around somebody. But he was still doing that. Like, it wasn't just when the cameras were there. That was so interesting. I want to read this. This is you talk about how fascinating it was. So I, I talked to him when he was going to become a Met, when he decided to get baseball a try. And he gave me this quote. I'm looking this up. This is from a 2016 column when I got him on the phone. And he said, I think a lot of people don't get it or understand it. They say, why? Why go into a different position? Why not go to a different position in football? It's because it's not the game of football. It's what you love doing in it. For me, it was the position of quarterback. And for now, it's pursuing what's in my heart and what I want to go after, being the best baseball player I can be. By nature, I'm a people person, and I like making people happy. And far for as far as pursuing your dreams and your past, you have to do what's in your heart, not what other people want to do. And that's where I think it's tough because you've got to choose your passion. You've got to choose your heart more than what people want to do. And that's what I've always tried to do. He later talked playing quarterback meant so much to him because it was the leadership position, trying to get all these guys organized and make the offense work. That's what he loved about being a quarterback. And so, you know, you look at it and go, what? This guy's crazy. Well, you stubborn. Why don't you stay in the NFL? Why don't you? I mean, it's a gazillion former quarterbacks in the NFL playing all sorts of different positions. Why don't you do that? And he just says, that's not what I loved about it. And so it's like, just when you think you got them figured out, there's like this <laughs> kind of like deep thought behind it. And you're like, yeah, yeah. man, go play baseball. What yeah. the hell? Right. And I think he also said in this story, I can't, uh, I won't go through the whole story, obviously, but it was like, he goes, I'm 29. I don't have a family. Like, wouldn't you want to go give a shot? And I was like, at that point, I'm like, I don't know what age I was, but it was like, you know, I'm like 42. I'm like, yeah, if the Mets called, I'd go down there. 
Are you sure. kidding me? Like, yeah. sounds freaking awesome yeah. playing college, like minor league baseball this summer. Like, are you <laughs> kidding me? Of course I'd go do it. So, yeah, you know, he did his own thing. He's just a, a fascinating dude. I, I give him credit for for purity of purpose to a degree of like, you know what? I, I, I am in this to play quarterback. I'm not in it just to make a roster and make money. Okay. Well, it didn't work out. Okay. Then I'm going to go on. I'm going to play baseball because I like baseball. Good. Do it. And now, you know what? He's going to go on and he'll still, he'll do TV for SEC Network and he will continue to be, I'm sure, a major figure in, you know, Christian speaking and, and all that sort of thing. And he's going to make a ton of money and be perfectly fine for the rest of his life. And he got to do it his way. Good for him. I think it was uh, Pete Abraham, who's the uh, excellent Red Sox writer for the Boston Globe, who tweeted this this week, like who basically said, you know, farewell to Tim Tebow, kind of made a took a little dig at the Mets for like a publicity stunt. But he said, look, Tebow, every single person who encountered Tebow along the way in baseball raved about his class, how he always had time for kids, how with autographs he signed every day. Like Tim Tebow has like a full understanding of what it means to be Tim Tebow. And he's like never had a bad day. So Give him credit for uh, f- for that. For our college podcasting purposes, here's a question: Should Tim Tebow be on the set of Game Day? Probably some changes that are going to be get coming soon there with Lee Corso. Like, is he that compelling of a figure where we where he could be on that main set for the next twenty years? I I think he's compelling. I'll let Pat do say this. I'll make it mine now because you got more experience on this, Pat. You've worked on Game Day. I think he's compelling. I don't think he's that good on TV. And and maybe and since we just. Uh, gushed about Tim Tebow for like 15 minutes about how an awesome dude he is. Please be our, please be our friend, Tim. Um, I, I don't think he's that good. He, he doesn't, there's no edge to him. He's going to say something nice about everybody. Like whenever I thought he'd be a great broadcaster, but I've not found him to be interesting to listen to or his opinion to really matter to me uh, at all. So if Herb Street and Fowler, you know, end up going to the NFL, which is certainly a possibility. And there's changes or Lee Corso. We don't know how long he's there. Obviously, they're going to need a guy for that. I don't know that he's really that interesting of a broadcaster. Pat, what do you think? I agree with you. You know, I think that uh, obviously from a name recognition standpoint, he would be phenomenal. But from an actual content delivery standpoint, you could work with him. He could get better. And they do work with people in those roles. But it's also, you know, you, you to a degree have to be kind of ready made for that. Like, like they are not throwing you in Lee Corso's seat and saying, hey, take a couple of years and, and work your way up to being good. You know, that's too big a, a spot. And they've got other people, you know, look, I think that spot is sitting there waiting for Nick Saban when Nick Saban retires, if he, unless he waits till he's like 80 and then maybe not. But I think with the dynamic they got now from a course of standpoint, if you look at it, you got Herb Street quarterback, you got Desmond player, they throw Pollock on their player. They need a coach. And, you know, I, you can't really put Tebow, I, I don't think, in Corso's spot. So I, I, I don't see that as being an easy fit for him. What about Pat McAfee? They put him on there and he's kind of got that upbeat, that Corso entertainment vibe. Yeah, no, that's a good point. And I, yeah, and I know he's not he's, a former coach, but no, he's a, but he's, he's got very the wall vibe. Yeah, and that's they they certainly like that. And I think that they, you know, Lord knows ESPN is highly attuned to metrics and things like that. So they know that Pat McAfee is gaining popularity significantly and maybe attracts a little bit of a different audience than the you know the the bedrock game day audience. So yeah, that that wouldn't surprise me necessarily if he ended up in something like that. 
I'll get to you as quick, Pete, but the, the best broadcasters are, and this is a mistake TV makes, I think. If you look at that, what, what made game day great? Corso in his prime, Herb Street, and, and you have Desmond, and you have Fowler, right? And then, and then uh, Reese Davis. But Kirk Herbstreit played one year as a, like he was a, a semi-prominent quarterback at Ohio State for, he was a one-year starter? Believe uh, this yeah. was not, yeah. he was not, he's not Tim Tebow. He was no. Kirk Herbstreit, right? Yeah. Ohio's, I, and Desmond, obviously, is a megastar. Everyone knows Desmond Howard. Lee Corso was not the prominent coach, right? I mean, he's just, a, he coached Indiana. So, right. but they were great broadcasters. Lee, Lee Corso is a great broadcaster at what he did. And Herb Street obviously is a brilliant broadcaster. So it's like, don't fall in the trap of like, we need the names. That's what they do on these NFL shows. And the NFL right. pregame shows suck. All of them. They got, they got <laughs> All of them. a bunch of names saying nothing. And you're like, yeah. I don't know. What, what? We got, and we have to have like one of everything. Like, you know, we got one <laughs> yeah. play, one offensive player. What? It's yeah. almost like those CNN political ones where they literally have like <laughs> yeah. every racial group. It's like it's like the freaking Brady Bunch up there. They got like people in all the different squares. You're like, what? Like, what? There's too many people talking at me. But now we need the per, the position of a male Hispanic from the Midwest. Like, yeah, it's like the it's like the village people. You need it. Yeah, it's like, like uh, you know, like I think I think we could figure some of this stuff out on our own. Get get me three good broadcasters. And so if you look at that show, took off with two guys that really had not. I don't want to disparage anyone's career, but we're not no, but, Nick yeah. Saban and Tim Tebow. Tebow yeah. and Saban would be pretty funny, though, watching them talk. That would be an yeah. interesting conversation, but not for long, unless they're both into it. Yeah, I think that's a really good point about quality of broadcaster does not rarely equates to quality of player. There are Aikman's really good and Romo's really good. But yes, I, I generally agree with that with that uh, with that assessment. I haven't seen Tebow enough to really have like a hard, fast opinion on him as a broadcaster. But I will say this, like. He doesn't have an edge to him, right? Like, he's just not. He's, like, incapable of having an edge. And you do need, and in college, it can be a little softer, but, like, I think people like McAfee because he has that edge. And the the key thing going forward here, and we're all feeling this in our industry in some way, is McAfee brings in a gambling crowd. Watching the Fox show and then watching the ESPN show, kind of, you know, flipping channels between them last year. I watched both more this year, not being out most Saturdays than than any other year. You, it'll be interesting to see. I, I feel like the... The Fox show maybe had a little more youthful vibe because you've got Reggie, you've got Matt, you've got Brady Quinn who are all in that younger set. And Urban's certainly not young, but he's younger than Corso, you know. So I feel like I think this is a pretty safe prediction. I feel like – and they pick games on the Fox show and kind of talk openly about their lines and stuff. And they obviously pick games too on, on game day. I feel like we will feel a precipitous paradigm shift – in the next year or two to like straight up gambling promotion because that's where a lot of this industry is going and maybe that's McAfee's role. I can recall and I don't like watch and tape and analyze the shows like somebody like Richard Deitch would do but like I can recall like Sometimes I drive around on Saturday mornings and I would listen and McAfee would be like picking games. And I picked them last week and they're given six. And like that is going to really, really be in our faces. Like SVP has sort of brought it into the mainstream on ESPN. But I really feel like in college football in particular, with what, 10 of the 50 states now, you can you can bet on your phone and that number is only going to go up. I really feel like there's going to be a giant shift to uh, to gambling talk being a uh, being a big time piece of uh, of these games, and it's not going to be coded gambling talk. It's going to be straight no. up, gambling. And that, which is funny. what it was. Yeah. Oh right? well. And yeah. before, at one point, it was just strictly verboten when I worked there, and I'd like put I would put point spreads in the forty yard dash, and they would take them out. 
Like, no, we're not. We're not going to discuss that. We don't. We don't. We're not here to promote gambling. Okay, Mother Superior, I apologize. Remember, remember the NCAA would ban. They would not give a pass. This is a long time ago. Uh, a media pass to the NCAA basketball tournament if your publication took gambling ads. <laughs> well, I, it even went further, Dan. I'm actually going to write this story at the Final Four this year, so don't steal it, Pat. Um, if you put, they had a, they had an impasse. You, you like, do know this podcast is a public conversation. <laughs> yes, that's all right. Pat's my direct competition. <laughs> I mean, Matt Norlander's like, on it. It's not like some secret, but there was a there was an impasse where if you published point spreads, it wasn't even gambling information. If you published point spreads, there was like a face off a final four. And this is not kind of our generation speaking of me and Pat, like the last 20 years. This is like maybe 10 years, a little more prior to that, like a Malcolm Moran kind of generation. They weren't going to credential you to the final four. And there was like a big standoff about it, which is crazy now because. Everybody's going to be like, if they are not already aligned in lockstep with gambling, they are about to link arm. And the whole tournament, the whole popularity of college basketball nationally, you can argue, is based on gambling. The bracket is gambling. It's just been like, it's just, it's preposterous to think anything else. Yeah. Ask ask a a thousand people who are college basketball fans, how'd you become a college basketball fan? It's like 950 of them will be like, Oh, when I was a kid, my dad had a bracket contest yes. and I just got it. Everybody get that was the that was the yes. funniest part of that ban was it was so stupid. It was like gambling is why you exist. There's an occasional kid that's like, I grew up on the the love and passion of Wake Forest <laughs> basketball, right? I knew that. Okay. Other than that, other yeah. than that guy, it was the gambling. And they yeah, they would they would ban you. I did I wrote a column once about it because Michigan State was running a 50-50 raffle at their games. They may still. Oh, yeah. And I'm like, how the hell do you run a 50-50 raffle and upset be opposed to gambling? Yeah, like we're right. literally running a gambling organization inside the Breslin Center. And then That's I used to beautiful. always joke, like, how many recruits' mothers got one that happened to win yeah, the 50-50? Right. Exactly. Like, Zach Randolph's mother, come yeah. on down. One again. Uh, how about that? that? Lucky, Three weeks lucky. in a row, Mrs. Randolph. Lucky you. <laughs> no, it was like, what? I was like, you're literally gambling here. Like, this is, well, it's a 50-50 raffle for charity. Uh, yeah, okay. I went to Catholic school, man. I know what bingo is, all right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you, you remember, like, filling out your first bracket in, like, junior high? And like, huh. you know, the pot was like $300, you know, like it's huh. from your dad's work pool or whatever. Like the thought of winning $300 would be like us winning Powerball today, right? Oh, and yeah. then you're watching these games. I mean, it's a ladder drug. It's like, you know, they like got you hooked early. <laughs> Absolutely. And then like they're bringing you up. And But that's, yes, that is, how Amer- that is how America views college basketball. They don't view it through Ken Palm. They don't view it through conference championships. They view it. Like the same way much of America views the NFL through their fantasy team. They view it through the prism of their bracket. I can't tell you Selection Sunday how many people I haven't heard from in months or years are like, hey, who do you like in this 8-9 game? Do you like Nevada or do you like Creighton? You know, it's just like that is like that. That is a, just a vast majority of America's visceral tie to the game. I think you go with quality of broadcaster over name. And I mean, Pat McAfee was a punter in the NFL. And he's probably the best broadcaster. I mean, Romo is a great broadcaster. Romo was a very famous quarterback. He wasn't a great quarterback. No, was, right? Yeah, I yeah. mean, he, he was, was a cowboy. He was a Cowboys quarterback right. of varying. My guess celebrity, is celebrity. Tom Brady would be horrible. 
as a broadcaster. Yeah. I think he's like Tebow. You know, why? Like everybody likes me. Why do I want to yeah. say, right, right. Why do I want to yeah. sit there yeah. and be like, that kid's got to throw the ball quicker. They don't have a, they don't have a play. This coach isn't doing a good job. Like if you just, if you've spent your life with everybody liking you and you're going well, why start making enemies? Um, so I don't know. We'll see. Well, yeah. It's going to be interesting. And if Tim Tebow says on game day that, uh, Mississippi State should bench its quarterback. That's like a story, you know. Right. Like if if you know what I mean, it's different if uh, you know someone else does it. Like you you reach that point, and Brady would be the same way, you know. Like it would be a, an immediate blog headline. Um, Yahoo would certainly put it on the front page. Yeah, like 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 you become like you you reach a certain rare air in a sport, and you become media. What you say is a story every time. I think that's part of why like Peyton Manning has resisted becoming that like he, he they, they would pay Peyton Manning a gazillion bucks to be the, the, the you know, Chris Collinsworth would be gone so quick. <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, I mean, Peyton Manning would be your ideal NFL broadcaster. He could make $20 million a year or something like that doing, six, you know, 20 games or he could be on a morning show or whatever. He's done a different route. Like his thing, that Peyton place is awesome. Yeah. If you ever watched yeah. it on the history, he's a reporter and host of this show. And I don't, I think part of it is he doesn't want to be in the criticism business. He's more into the entertainment business of it. Yeah. It's very, very interesting what Manning has done with his career because he actually took the much harder job. He did. Just, no, but, but he took, you know what? That's the thing is he just said, I'm going to make my own deal. You know, it's not like I don't have to go follow the, set rubric of I will go be a TV analyst. No, I'm just going to have my own TV show. And that's why people are, you know, would love, uh, we'd love to get him into coaching. No, he's not going to do that. If anything, he might get into ownership of a team. You know, he, Peyton's, he's, he's, he's two steps ahead of, of what the traditional line of uh, career work would be for his, his uh, profession. All right. How about this? We've re recast game day. <laughs> yeah. Somehow Pat McAfee got it. This is not on the show rundown, by it was, the way. It was not on the show rundown. Was this a, a good Tim discussion. Tebow discussion? Anyway, all right, quick chicken war update. Uh, it's getting out of hand. Everybody <laughs> and their brother is jumping in on this thing. <laughs> Wendy's is redoing their chickens. Zaxby did this ad mocking everyone. It, it's out of control. <laughs> it's like an eighth grade girl slam book out there, or whatever these people do. I don't know. <laughs> it's like how World War One started, you know. It's like somebody shoots Archduke Franz Ferdinand, and it's like, wait a minute, I got to get in on this. Oh, wait a minute, we're at war with them too. Wait, wait, we're jumping in. This is we got World War One. We've got all oh, of Europe damn. going after each other. Battle royal. It's just correct. Yeah. I can't keep up with the chicken wars. Burger King. Burger King has jumped in. Obviously, that's a major player. They got a lot of stores out there. Their trick, uh, they're selling this. Eli Dottie, chief marketing officer for Burger King. I want to, I want to, that's a good job. Yeah. I want to do one of these chicken tasters. Like, <laughs> we spent two years developing this chicken. Like, what the hell are you guys doing every day other than eating chicken sandwiches? Is it two years? Anyway, their trick is hand breading the chicken. Okay. So they're going to hand bread the chicken. Uh, it'll be served on a potato bun with deli pickles and a uh, original or spicy signature sauce if you want it. Uh, the picture, uh, they have the best marketing picture of the entire chicken war. This is like one of those like, yeah, I don't know whether this thing's any good. It's sort of like when the North Korean military marches around. Like you look and go, wow, that looks pretty. 
That's pretty impressive, man. Look at all that. They're in that big square and whatever. Yeah, just because you can put on a military parade doesn't mean you can fight. Yeah, you know? well, they can put on a they can they can put on this thing. I'll tell you that. I don't know whether it can take, but let me just give this quote. I'll go to you, Pete. Hand breading it is to chicken what flame grilling is to burgers. <laughs> wow. BK, play into their strengths. Yeah, their self-homage there, like <laughs> doubling down on their base. Uh, so, Dan, you've been to my neighborhood in South Boston, and uh, the coffee shop that I used to frequent before this pesky pandemic is literally like next to a Burger King. I don't know if you remember when uh, we, we I know met where there the Burger a little King while ago. Is. Yeah. You could have so, just said, do you know where the Burger King is in South Boston? Yes, it's been there for 50 years. I know where that yeah, Burger no, King exactly. is. Yeah, no, exactly. That's on, the on, landmark, not your yeah. little... Well, no, I, I was bringing you there because, oh, okay. yes. Thank so you. anyway, on the corner of D Street in South Boston. <laughs> so I've wa- I walk by that thing on average of once a day for like 10 years, right? And I don't think I have gone in in 10 years. If I have, it was a long time ago when I was hungover now? for breakfast. Now, will you? Will you? I don't know. Like, like this is like that. That picture looked pretty good. Like, and, <laughs> and again, I've been chided on this podcast for my lack of market research, right? That's been, that's been a very clear theme. Pat went and got his special VIP treatment at the Popeyes in, in Louisville, right? Yep. Um, you know, Dan has certainly gone out and, uh, you know, just oh, bird dogged yeah. the, the, the Popeyes there. Yeah. And, and it is sitting right there in my neighborhood, right in the, uh, right in the middle. So I, if we are going to do some sort of grand chicken tasting experiment and God bless the listeners of this podcast, they do love chicken wars. I, I feel like I may be compelled. That's, that's impressive. I, if Pete is actually moved to darken the doorway of a fast food place and buy a chicken sandwich, then, then Burger King has done its job. That's for sure. I'm going to dissent, though. I didn't think the sandwich looked that good. It looked overbreaded. You know, it looked like they had just kind of piled too much stuff on the on the chicken breast. I'm 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 down on the BK on just on on look test. Who are you? (laughs) (laughs) Who are you? Do you want us all to agree? Do we have to? Do you want us all agree on something like this? This is important. They're going to think we had a, like a pre-show meeting to be like, Pete likes the sandwich. Pat hates it. So think of <laughs> no, something to say. I honestly, you might be surprised to know opinion. there's virtually no preparation to this show. <laughs> it's literally turning on. I, I don't know if I trust the king on chicken. That's my thing. I, I've always been scarred uh, at this incident that occurred a long time ago. My friend Johnny Berry and I went to a Burger King in Brockton, Massachusetts. And uh, we went in and they said they were out of burgers. They said they were out of burgers. This is a true story. <laughs> it's a bad sign. They were out of burgers. All they had was fish and chicken. Oh, boy. And, and Johnny said, well, is this, it doesn't say fish and chicken king outside. It says Burger King. <laughs> we want a freaking Whopper. And we left. We refused to have their fish and chicken. So uh, this, would, this, would, this would have to end my near 30-year boycott of Burger King chicken or fish. But it might do it. I think the picture looks great. So there you go. While you guys were arguing about chicken sandwiches, I ordered uh, Popeyes to get delivered here in an hour. So we're having, there we're having a good go. day over here. Sully's on you, keeping Sully. it on the top shelf. There are people who scoff at the football championship subdivision, but not here at the Yahoo Sports College podcast. We take it very, very seriously. Sully, what is our game of the week? This is the FCS Degenerate Minute. 
Couldn't find Fox Sports Southwest Plus for the McNeese Tarleton thriller last Saturday? Have no fear, fellow football degenerates. We're set for a full slate this weekend as four conferences begin their march to Frisco. Let's begin with the top five showdown as number five, South Dakota State travels to the Unidome to battle number three, Northern Iowa, Friday night. Stud running back Pierre Strong Jr. and the Jackrabbits are laying two and a half points on the road. Kickoff is set for 8 p.m. Eastern. Catch the game on Kilolin.com as coverage will be provided by our friends of CW of Black Hills. <laughs> Saturday and Sunday samplings feature 10 televised games. Make sure to check those local listings. For YSCP, I'm Sean Sullivan. All right, our NPRS correspondent there. Beautiful. Beautiful. Yeah. Uh, SDSU, not San Diego State University, South Dakota State versus Northern Iowa. Pat, you can pick first. Who are you taking? Well, you don't just walk into the Unidome, you know, and and expect victory. (laughs) Unless you're really good. And the Jackrabbits are. And I know this because I have a South Dakota State Jackrabbit t-shirt. So, (laughs) since I have the t-shirt, that is all the knowledge I need to say, take the Jacks. Lay the points, two and a half. Let's roll. So I have a very distinct memory of uh, two years ago before the start of the season. And you guys are going to laugh because I don't actually remember where I was. But it was uh, it was when we were actually traveling for games. And I was at a sports bar to watch Wake Forest versus Utah State and Minnesota and South Dakota State. And I can't remember uh-huh. if they were on the same night or back-to-back nights. But I believe I was in Dallas before the... Auburn Oregon game and I went to a sports bar and I have vivid memories of Jabor Gibbs the South Dakota State quarterback pushing the Minnesota Gophers to the limit they need to win escape with a victory he obviously as uh, as our listeners would know missed last season with injury but he is back and I am not betting against Gibbs after what I saw on that uh, on that night uh, I will say this Northern Iowa just in doing my just extensive research for this podcast, uh, we would we would be familiar face on their staff. Old friend Sean Watson, former uh, OC oh. at Louisville and Texas, is the uh, is the UNI OC. So take that for what it's worth. But I found that interesting. And if you've listened to this podcast this long, you probably would too. <laughs> so you're taking Jack Rabbits. I uh, I am always offended by uh, University of Northern Iowa. Offended. Offended. I don't believe there is a North Iowa. I don't think there's a Northern Iowa. It's just a square. It's just a square. The arrogance of claiming that you're no- you're just Iowa. Okay? There's like a North Florida. There's a Northern California. It's just a square. You can't start claiming parts of the square. That UNI However, arrogance has been claimed. Yes. Arrogance. How do you feel However, about Central Michigan, Dan? There... I, Do you think uh, they're self-centered? Eh, a little bit. A little bit. However, on the plus side, when Northern Iowa does make the NCAA basketball tournament, CBS uses the greatest uh, little abbreviation. It's just no Iowa. That's what they put. <laughs> N-O. No Iowa, which I think must please like the people of South Dakota greatly. So I'm a little torn on that. Uh, so I'll guess you what. Because of that, I'm going to say South Boy, who the hell is playing them? South Dakota's coming in there. South Dakota State's coming in, and they're going to get no Iowa. <laughs> they're going to lose and go home. They're going to really? say no more to Iowa. So 
I don't like you just claiming the northern part. You're not even Mason City. Like, you know, that's at least in the north. You're barely there. No Iowa. Yes, Iowa. We think I think that means you picked Northern Iowa. I think right. I did. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think I when I, at the start of that rant, I don't believe I was going to pick them. I somehow I talked, talked myself into it. This long and no one's brought up uh, Ali Fukmanrush. Is that how you say it, Pat? Ali Farukmanesh. Yes. Gosh, darn Farukmanesh. He's Ali an assistant Farukmanesh. coach somewhere now. At Colorado State. I saw him Colorado last year. State. Talked to him in San Diego. Yeah. Epic One of my favorite stories I got to write for ESPN was when he hit the shot to beat uh, Kansas. Anyway, Sully, do you have a pick? I do. I do. Uh, oh, yeah. Sorry. No, Sully. all good. All good. Uh, Northern Iowa, this is actually a revenge game. Last time they, these two teams took the field in 2019 in the playoffs, Northern Iowa beat them. 13-10 defensive slog fest. Northern Iowa was bringing everybody back, according to uh, great reporting from uh, the Gazette. So, um, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll back Northern Iowa. I'll, I'll, I'll go with them. All right. All right. We're on this, Sully. We're on this. Uh, one other quick update from earlier in the pod. The, the Evelyn's Place Bar is now called the Backspace Bar and Kitchen mm. down okay. in New Orleans. Um, they did snazz it up. They actually added light. Um, <laughs> not sure there was electricity in there before. <laughs> it seems like, the, according to the pictures, they apparently dusted the place. Oh. So that was good. Uh, it's a brick, exposed brick, literary theme spot. Oh, my. So I, Times have changed. I maybe I should have liked it more, yeah. but I have been in there. I thought it was too fancy, so I went to Sneaky Pete's, uh, but, um, which is next door. But anyway. Do you want uh, a South Dakota to... State fun fact before we go? <laughs> sure. That's that's why, why I'm here, right? Like uh, John Stiegelmeyer, the coach, has been in South Dakota State long enough where Clark Lee was an assistant coach there early on in his career, the current mm. Vanderbilt head coach. So John Stiegelmeyer. Not his first uh, run through uh, th- through that part of the part of the world. Not not his first rodeo. Uh, we're gonna have the people's court this. Okay. And, uh, it's a racy one. It's a racy one. Uh-oh. Uh oh. This goes to the uh, uh, the MTA, the, the the public transportation in New York City. Uh, a little issue. A a Metro North worker resigned last month after the MTA's watchdog. I had no idea the MTA had a watchdog. Caught him having uh, relations, I'll put it, with a woman uh, while collecting overtime pay. He was still on the clock. (laughs) Not only on the clock, but collecting overtime pay. So New York Post put it, the taxpayers weren't the only ones getting screwed. No. (laughs) I love that. (laughs) New York Post. That's Uh like, yeah. Like, that's that's a one percenter New York Post lead. Tremendous. I mean, you see Mike Vaccaro sitting there with his like tabloid in his hand, nodding his head in approval. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Investigators uh, observed the machinist, 25 year vet of uh, (laughs) uh, bring an unauthorized woman onto the grounds. And um, he was uh, they quote kiss and had intimate contact in a railroad storage yard. Hmm. Uh, And he was still on the clock. Uh, so the people's court here is, uh, should he uh, be able to collect that overtime pay? I mean, it wasn't <laughs> like it was on the train. <laughs> when or, did this happen? Was it like a winter situation? Like a, uh, no, May 16th. So okay. post okay. a little behind. Post is off right. its game. I mean, they don't have okay. they don't have the staffing. The old Were days. Were masks? Did that get up? <laughs> the Post and Daily News would have pursued this story back in the day. Oh, like Watergate. Oh. Like yeah. this is the Watergate of New York tabs. <laughs> Cause like back in the day, like 80% of their papers would be sold by people going into the subway. 
So if you yeah, literally right, have right. a story about two guys, somebody having uh, relations, uh, you know, you're like, do I sit in this seat now? I don't want to hold this handle. All the different things. Um, so I, you know, I, I'll, I'll offer my opinion later. Pat uh, should should I guess should he he resigned? Should he have been should he have been forced to resign? And should he get that overtime pay? Yeah, you know, I think he's got to go. But give him the pay. He's working out there. I mean, he was working at something. <laughs> Come on. A day's work deserves a day's pay. Maybe a day and a half since it's overtime. I, I say you give him the pink slip, but you give him the, you give him his check and his, everything he earned on the way out. Yeah, I mean, you got to fire him, right? Like, there's certain, there's certain baseline things. As much as I was trying to think of a creative way to keep him, that would be really <laughs> difficult to uh, really difficult to do at this point. So I think you, you send him out with his paycheck, no overtime. I think that's that's where you cut the line. I think what makes this galling to the people of New York is that he was getting extra pay for his extracurricular <laughs> activities. So just give him his baseline severance, send him off, and uh, yes, let the, let the trains keep running on time. It's kind of tough being a subway ma- repairman, machinist, when the only you've just been banned from the one subway in the <laughs> yes. area. Maybe they're going to have to relocate. Maybe um, work on the path. A couple <laughs> just phenomenal details to this. Uh, first off, um, the train yard tryst, as the post put it, <laughs> perfect, perfect, uh, occurred near a sign that said "No entry except authorized vehicles." <laughs> oh, no, no. Okay. Uh, so the way they found out is apparently he took his truck to the rail yard, mm. and the GPS followed him. The the uh, Amazingly, he was there. They were there for what the post terms in, an impressive 77 minutes. Wow. Impressive. <laughs> hey, uh, he's he one operation. He tried to. Pat. <laughs> <laughs> Coach Patino is impressed with the uh, <laughs> 77 minutes. Uh, he tried to he tried to explain himself by calling it an extended lunch. Uh, did not work. Extended lunch. Um, yeah. I think I think you got to go with it. I think give him the money. What the hell? You know, just, I mean, guys, guys, twenty five years out there repairing train yard. I mean, <laughs> come on, someone can you know you can romance somebody at the train yard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Pull that off. It's like know. one of those things, like beautiful view of Yonkers or something. Like, what do you? <laughs> never seems like that's. So, if you think you're having a, a tough day at work, there's that. Uh, anyway, all right, that's all. That's all we got. We got to end at this. I, I don't even know what the hell this uh, this episode. We may was. actually get fired now. By the way, we may have fired ourselves. <laughs> I don't know. How, what? Did, yeah. Thank you for listening to this nonsense. <laughs> Hopefully, we're back. We'll again. be back. We're back next week. So please subscribe. Share us on social media. Talk to you then. Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.